Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for all things human factors, psychology, and design. Hey, it's episode 190. Today is January 14th, 2020, and this is Human Factors Cast. I'm your host, Nick Rome. Unfortunately, Blake Arnsdorf is out sick today, but don't worry, I have a great replacement for him. We got Frank Laxon in the house. More on him in just a minute. We do have a great news story for you today, and we're going to be tackling some questions from the community. Um, we're going to be looking at why there should be a Nobel Prize for vaccine logistics and kind of use that as a sounding board for all things human factors. Uh, and just a quick programming note here. Uh, I got an email today, and maybe you did too, that registration is now open for the virtual 2021 HFES International Symposium on Human Factors and Ergonomics and Healthcare. So the, the Healthcare Symposium is now uh, open for registration. Uh, we've brought you coverage on that in the past. It's a great time. Um, but I don't want to delay any longer. Frank, welcome to the show. Hi, Nick. Uh, glad to be there, and uh, thank you for uh, having me in. My, uh, what's that? Long time, long time listener, first time caller. Long time listener, first time caller. So Frank, just give our listeners a, a little bit of background on who you are, uh, why you're so important, and uh, why I why I brought you in on the show. Oh, thanks again for having me. Uh, I'm a local uh, human factors uh, professional. Uh, been uh, practicing the field for a little over uh, ten years here in uh, San Diego. Um, work with many and some of the folks. Uh, uh, that have been on the show uh, tend to work on uh, Navy systems, uh, especially IT systems in the Navy. Uh, so using the human factors uh, skills I have uh, to work with uh, sailors and other kinds of folks that, uh, that, that use our systems. It's an exciting time for IT systems because uh, with a lot of the technologies, Google, Facebook, apps, uh, a lot of uh, the government systems are catching up. So it's a great time to bring in some of our human factors uh, knowledge to this uh, type of industry. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of really uh, good opportunities in in the government sector for sure right now. Um, but Frank, has there been any kind of interesting human factors things that caught your eye over the last uh, over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, yeah. It's actually something that's been a culmination of uh, gosh, this, this whole work from home. Um, and so I was reading up on somewhere where uh, uh, I think I don't know if they call it the witching hour. Where, where folks, uh, back before the uh, pr- uh, Industrial Revolution, uh, used to have these sleep cycles um, where they would uh, wake up, they'd sleep around, uh, you know, when the sunset, when it gets dark, and then wake up around the middle of the night, between midnight and 2 a.m. Uh, they would cook, read, uh, they would actually have people over sometimes. Uh, and so it made me think about, um, in this work-from-home situation, what is um, my personal rhythm? Um, and so thinking about, uh, the kinds of things I like to do, uh, for example, in the morning, I like to, uh, write emails, reach, get in touch with people. There's a certain time of day where I like to do maintenance activities, clean up emails, clean up files, just kind of get ready. Uh, other times I like to read or kind of think about the future and, you know, of course, rest time, which is usually around, around three or four o'clock, uh, right, right before this, this call here, uh, where I just kind of just like to do nothing. Um, and so kind of rethinking what is, uh, you know, the human factors almost of, of my day uh, and, and, and fitting my my constraints uh, to, to to the work that we do and, and how technology interacts with that. Yeah, it's always fun to kind of uh, self-analyze and optimize your workflow within your own 
environment, right? Like I, I think I talked about this on the show. I was probably like six months back or something, but like the, the way in which I place things around my, um, my workspace is like, you know, does, does this fit my workflow? Am I going to reach in that place for this specific thing? Or am I going to look for it somewhere else? And if I look for it somewhere else, well, why don't I just put it there? Uh, you know, and you know, if it happens repeatedly, then that's an opportunity to come and change it. And I think that's kind of what you're describing, at least with your sleep patterns and with your uh, organization patterns, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of a way to uh, practice what we preach. You know, in a lot of our field, we we're concerned about user needs and what's best for what users at what time, uh, and then bring it to ourselves. Of kind of like what kinds of things best support, uh, you know, our our performance uh, curves. Yeah, for sure. Well, I got I got something I want to talk about. So last week on the show, I talked briefly about um, a money managing slash saving app called Capital. Um, and, uh, it, it basically allows you to kind of funnel your money into different goals. Um, and I'm going to talk about money again. Uh, <laughs> and this time it's with stock trading. So I, um, you know, I've had Robin hood for a while now. Um, and it's always been kind of do the, the slow, steady wins the race type of stock trading. That's never too risky. That's not really, um, uh, what's the word? I'm fun. Uh, it's kind of safe, safe, steady, reliable. Uh, and, and recently I got the high, um, of, of, you know, investing in something and basically selling right as it was at the peak and, and making a huge profit on it. And, um, I'm a little worried that I'm going to get addicted to that type of, uh, (laughs) thing because that's, it's really addicting. I don't know if you've ever sat down and tried to do play the play the day trade stock uh, stuff. Have you ever tried to do that, Frank? I've got I've got some friends that are, have been into uh, options trading. Um, okay, and, and he's made a lot of money off of uh, Roku and and other kinds of tech stocks, Tesla, those kinds of things. Yeah, it's um, it's really interesting with this K shaped recovery, how certain things are are doing well, um, and so it's it's a really interesting time in terms of uh, volatility. Yeah, for sure. So like I just just today I put my money down on something else and and I've doubled my money uh it just in one day and it's um it's kind of insane and intoxicating and dangerous uh for certain personality types so I have to remind myself to back up and be like is this is this wise? I'm trying to save for a house, you know. And so I've I've built it into the budget, which I've talked about last week with capital, right? So it all kind of fits together strangely enough. Um and uh yeah it's just it's it's a whole lot of fun and and uh can be there's a whole subreddit called i think it's called like wall street bets or oh, something yeah. <laughs> just people being absolute uh absolutely crazy with the stocks right like people will invest in tesla and they have like millions of dollars now and somebody else will invest in something that completely crashed and they have nothing and uh it's it's kind of like one of those um you know, warnings and risk reward in, in practice there, you see it just happen. And, uh, yeah, uh, be careful, invest, invest responsibly. Uh, so I can say, yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things where you kind of want to manage, uh, what's called in the bankroll world, risk of ruin. Um, right. And so making, setting up the business rules and kind of being, uh, sticking to them is, is the other thing, getting the discipline. Uh, so for example, you know, you could say, Hey, um, Half of my winnings, I'm gonna keep, and and not touch or put into maybe a long term investment or kind of an index fund, at least to kind of have it still 
maintaining interest than the other half to play with. That way, right. if, if uh, you get on the wrong side of, I don't even see a crash, just the wrong side of a market correction, uh, you know, you don't get those pangs that you feel that you know you learned in prospect theory, where losses are always going to be hurt, hurt a lot more than any gains. Yep, that's that's kind of where I'm at now. I actually just pulled out everything and put it into something else today, uh, and. Whatever comes of the, you know, it's not too much money, right? It's it's not going to break the bank if I lose it all. It's going to hurt a little, but it's it's enough to where I'm like, oh, this is very exciting. I've made double the amount that I put in, and it was a lot. And um, so, like, you know, once I kind of cap out on that return tomorrow, then it's going to be one of those things where I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll reinvest this half into that and put the other half into the other things that I was already invested in. And, and then it will be a slow growth type of thing, you know? <laughs> so yeah. uh, very dangerous, very uh, exciting. And, and um, uh, some of the, yeah, like for addictive personalities, I can see why it's a, it's definitely like a, uh, a dangerous prospect. Um. It's the Wild West, man. You never know what's going to happen on Wall Street. Anyway, let's get into this. Uh, the first part of the show, this part of the show of the show. Yeah, this part of the show is all about Human Factors news. This is where we talk about everything related to the field of Human Factors. This could be anything from medical, privacy, security. You know what? We got a little bit of everything in there. Uh, you name it. As long as it relates to the field of Human Factors, it's fair game for us to talk about. Frank, what do we have up this week? Oh, this week is an interesting one. Uh, so we've got an article here from Wired uh, suggesting there should be a, a Nobel Prize uh, for vaccine distribution. Uh, it's been a great uh, dashed hope for 2021. Uh, we've got a plague of vaccine chaos. Uh, we've got some distribution chains getting knotted up uh, with disastrous delays. Uh, it's pretty curious that uh, some of the medical and scientific advances uh, are so easily described as superlatives, miracles, breakthroughs, game changers. But the real, real, real world interpretation kind of often ends up seeming like a catastrophe. Uh, so the reason why it's so hard to put science into practice is because humans are unpredictable. Society is not a controlled laboratory experiment. Uh, so this author, uh, Benjamin Mazur, goes on to mention that there should be some sort of recognition uh, for vaccine distribution logistics uh, and spends their time justifying why there, in fact, should be some recognition. It's a pretty big problem, and uh, happy to talk about it today. Yeah, so I think we'll treat this kind of like a springboard, right? This this Wired article goes into a fairly detailed um, account from this person's experience. They're a, they're a healthcare professional, and um, they kind of document it from their perspective. Uh, but just from a human factors perspective, I thought it'd be interesting to actually kind of sit through this and and parse it out in terms that make sense to us as human factors practitioners. Um, and there's a couple points, you know, that we can we can kind of bounce around, but we'll just kind of tackle them one by one. I do want to note, though, as we're recording this, uh, President-elect Biden is actually speaking. So we might be lacking some information on the U- United States side of things, at least uh, in terms of plans for distribution or anything like that. Um, so let's, let's just go ahead and get into this first point here, transportation and distribution from providers to hospitals. Um, so I, I, as far as I, I'm aware, this has been, um, not necessarily like none of this has been smooth, right? The whole rollout of vaccines in the United States, at least has just been a terrible mess. Um, and you know, the first question is obviously how do you get things from point A to point B? 
Uh, I don't know a whole lot of like what goes into that personally. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where uh, there's been a lot of miscommunication. Um, uh, we've seen some stories of some places uh, getting uh, you know overloaded with with uh, doses, um, a little bit of um, confusion, and I think some missteps in terms of the cold storage that's happened. Um, if you saw the news, there was that one uh, place where uh, they had to administer all those vaccines right away. So it didn't matter who you were. If you were in the right place at the right time, you got it. Um, and then there's other places that are you know, lacking, um, as well as the messaging, I think, in terms of the distribution of who gets what when. Um, so that's been kind of a struggle. Uh, what are the, some of the things that you found in the news, Nick? Yeah, you know, I think that's that's part of the problem is is just the fact that um, you have to have a reliable source of information to figure out even what's going on with it. Right. And, um, you know, for me, it's like the local news. Right. I'll see what's going on and what kind of what's what's the deal with California, at least. Um, and, and kind of where to go for that type of thing. You know, I'm not a I'm not a medical professional, obviously, so I don't get into that first batch of things. I'm not a senior, so I don't get into that that you know, um, that group of, of folks that are, are towards the beginning. I'm not, you know, someone at risk. And so it's, it's like, um, I'm kind of just patiently waiting until they say, yeah, everyone can do it. Or until they say, you know, oh, government contractors can do it. Then, then I'll be like, oh, that's me. I can do it. Um, you know, something that very clearly defines me. And I think that's, uh, we're, we're kind of getting into that rollout and prioritization, um, topic here but that's okay i think this is a fluid topic we can talk about it all but like uh you know for me it's been the local news but for others i know it's been like a text message from the the county officials and and um you know it's it's just been there's it's it's blasted out on many channels but i don't know necessarily if the information is consistent um and yeah i mean that's where I've been hearing it, and and we can talk more about that sort of rollout and prioritization. What are your thoughts on that, Frank? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the uh, was at the the mega centers that was set up in um, at the stadium, and and looking at depending on what source you look at, and one can think, oh, that's that's something that I can go, you know, go up and check it out. Um, but you, know, you read the fine print; it's for uh, you know for first responders, and there's some documentation and things like that. Um, so I think one of making sure if you you know for anyone's one of those groups and especially gets uh, brought to a wider audience that we that the expectations are set of okay here's the documentation you need this is what you need going in um, because I could imagine nothing would be more frustrating than showing up taking the time you know out of your day to to to, to get this vaccine only to be turned away for not having the right piece of uh, documentation. Yeah, and that that specific example you brought up there, the stadium. So down here in San Diego, we actually have a the Petco Park right outside uh, Petco Park. There they have this big uh, sort of mega center that we talked about. Um, and for you know a, a better landmark for you know other folks listening, Disneyland now is going to be a mega center. Um, and and you're right. There's kind of this miscommunication of folks that are showing up to these sites, assuming that they can get these vac- vaccines. Um, and in reality, you need a, you, you, there's a whole litany of things that you have to do beforehand. You have to make a reservation. You have to meet certain criteria, um, unless it is one of those right place, right time things where you go at the end of the day and they're like, yeah, we popped this, uh, we popped this canister and we need to get rid of it all. So you're here, here you go. 
right? And and that's been happening. It's there's been uh, sort of these these canisters, or I don't even know what they're called. They're, they've been wasted at the end of the day because there's no one around to take them because the messaging hasn't been clear, right? It's like it's it, it's incredibly frustrating um, because as this author in this Wired article actually, you know mentions uh, later on in the article every delay in vaccination means more social disruption and more death it's it's not just a frustration of we can't get vaccinated it's because people are dying and he really puts that kind of emphasis on that yeah yeah and i think there's also uh you know especially early on where um everyone's been really good about the social distancing um, it, it's, it's, you know, these are trying times. And so that's something that we need to kind of, uh, kind of, you know, hold, hold the line and, and, and to, uh, prevent any, uh, you know, additional strain on, on our medical system with, you know, ICU capacity is already dangerously low. Yeah. Here in, here in Southern California, I think we've been hovering at zero for a while, right? Like they're turning away, uh, ambulances from the ER because they just can't, have any more patients in the hospital uh and so yeah it's the stakes are incredibly high right and and the the better communication that we have around this the better um and i think we can kind of get into that messaging piece of it a little bit here right because we're we're talking about several different sources we're talking about like governments uh we're talking about you know both state and federal we're talking about hospitals we're talking about these mega centers that are putting out these um these these instructions basically um and we can we can talk about each of these individually but like just the messaging overall has been really bad and i think that's because there's a lack of guidance from the federal government level right they they just kind of said here you go that's there's the vaccines do the thing um and you know we have places like california who i think are way down on the list like in the 40s uh for for <laughs> vaccine distribution and you'd expect uh, a state with one of the higher GDPs to be better at something like this. Yeah, I think setting expectations is is really, really key here. Uh, and you kind of mentioned the different tiers, uh, and the question is, well, what what tier am I in? You know, so I'm not tier one, uh, uh, but uh, where, where do we fall in this order? I think something like like a some kind of checklist or some kind of you know thinking about human factor solutions, a way of just saying okay here, here's you know my profile of who who I am and where is the tier and where uh, based on individual states or where things are at, what is the expected timeline? And and you know there's always going to be a range, and I think that's very important to set a, a range in terms of setting expectations. Um, you know, we find a lot with our, you know, human factors, providing point estimates uh, and not understanding the distribution behind that point estimate uh, can lead to a lot of misleading information. Yeah, I think that, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of stuff going on and, and those expectations haven't been met. Um, I think I think the fact that we still largely have no idea who's going where and when and uh, why. I have a tantrum going on in the background. <laughs> He's mad he can't get his vaccine. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's that's definitely a huge issue, right? There's a risk of – it also is a risk of of not um, – of more death, of more uh, – like the author says, more social disruption. There's a risk of, of – uh, of, like what's the word I'm looking for? Like a lack of confidence in the government to put something out like this. There's, 
then that risk actually compounds with the uh, you know trust level that everyone has in the vaccine itself because it's poorly um, thrown out there. Is, does that mean that people trust the vaccine less? And we have you know the whole anti-vaccination movement that is just a bunch of bullshit that we need to like cut through and get everybody on the same page. It's like it's it's all contributing to that sort of um, misinformation and and I see. I want to talk about the technologies to communicate here because you mentioned the CA Notify app on here. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that is and what that does? Yeah, I think it's um, uh, on the on the Android phone. Got an Android phone recently, uh, and it offered to uh, uh, just kind of track things in case um, there were exposures. Um, and so I think it's kind of a kind of a honor system if 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 you. Are come, if anyone is coming down with systems symptoms, it kind of has data collects your kind of geolocation data. You can turn it on when you'd like to. Um, I'll turn it on when um, I'm actually out out of the house, um, and that way it it shows okay there was an exposure of your area. So there's a lot of infrastructure already for each state um, having any kinds of things. And I think that would be good. I good good infrastructure to 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 use not just for collecting data but for 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 communicating timelines. That says, okay, hey, you know, tier one first responders—they're—they're they're getting their, you know, their uh, vaccinations. Okay, here's here's your based on your profile. Here's your intended timeline. So I think there are some cool opportunities for apps to kind of piggyback on that kind of system and be able to to have that communication. I know we we each have everyone has a lot of apps on their phones, so I was just thinking of kind of a reuse of something that's already existing. Yeah, I mean, so as far as I I know, right, the CA Notify app does a, a couple different things. It cross-checks your location um, as well as, like, any Bluetooth signals and GPS data, that type of thing, um, to kind of cross-coordinate whether or not you've had contact with another person. And so... Um, yeah, so as far as I know, they're using that technology to kind of inform you whether or not you've been exposed to the coronavirus, but not necessarily, um, like you said, the communication side of things, right? It, it's not necessarily saying, hey, you meet this criteria and you can go to this site to get vaccinated. Uh, and I think you're absolutely right. Building in um, a one-stop shop for all things coronavirus, right? And And the fact that also... We're working with different apps for different states, right? We have CA Notify. That's for California. Um, why is there not like a, a nationwide uh, app that then informs you when you've come in contact with somebody who may be traveling here? Um, and so it, it, it raises a lot of questions, at least for me. Yeah, that's a really good point where, you know, these apps have a uh, there's an opportunity to be able to carry on a consistent messaging uh, that is maybe apart from the news cycle. Um, you hear all these different uh, guidelines or potential changes of guidelines. Um, it's hard to keep straight what's what's what uh, in terms of uh, you know being able to um, hear information about single doses, double doses, all all those kinds of things. So it'd be at least nice to have just an authoritative source of information um, that at least one can say, okay, this is what what is the latest consensus for a various topic. Yeah, I I see a lot of answers at the federal government level providing that that uh, that level of messaging, and so you know maybe maybe we'll get that here in a couple of weeks. I'm I'm hoping anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, th looking at here at um, you know, sort of the the communication from other places. Uh, I 
like uh, talking away from the government here, we're looking at other places like hospitals or these mega centers that we brought up or even like a CVS, right? Is there a way? Uh, I think there's there's got to be some communication from that perspective, too, of like, oh, hey, you know, I I fit this profile. And, and is it time for me to come in and get one yet? Do you even have it over there at CVS or Rite Aid or Walgreens or wherever you go? Um, you know, that's that's another question that can be answered with the use of sort of this unified messaging. Right. Where can you get it? How can you get it? Uh, and when? Yeah, kind of kind of going back to the logistics, um, you know, a lot of these places know exactly um, how much of each product they have, right? If you, CVS knows how much of, you know, 200 milligrams of aspirin or, or, or bottles of Gatorade at 64 ounces orange. Um, you can imagine the, the vaccine could be tracked in similar ways and using that uh, kind of things as almost a, okay, we have, you know, 2,224 left in stock. Um, and you can kind of see that when you do shopping, you see how much of certain items they have in stock. So I wonder if there's some opportunities there uh, for uh, these places to track uh, dosages and, and where things are, are at. Yeah, I feel like there has to be some sort of unified systems or at least, you know, uh, there's just so much stuff out there right now that that's not even being used because of the organization and logistical nightmare. And that's one of the arguments that they use in this article, right, is to, to basically this is a huge problem. We need we need to have somebody solve all these issues. And basically, they should be awarded a Nobel Prize because it is difficult. It is um, sort of this this impossible task to you know, distribute this nationwide and get the communication out there. Um, and it's desperately needed. Lives are being lost, like they said. Um, and, and you know, they, they suggest a couple things on, on where to start is to kind of, at least from this, this healthcare worker's perspective, is to start valuing sort of that transparency over perfection. He's, he's arguing that it doesn't need to be perfect before that information is sent out. Just be transparent about what we know and when we know it. Um, and that way, you know, there's this more public trust in, in sort of this whole system. There's also improvement over denial, right? Don't don't uh, deny what's going on and don't say, yeah, things are perfect. Things are rolling out. Just say, yes, there's room for improvement. We need to sort of acknowledge that. Um, iteration over omnipotence, right? You know, we it's it's not a one size. It's not a it's not a set and forget solution it's we got to iterate on this over time so that way you know uh we can potentially get more vaccinations out there and then access over perfect equity um and this kind of goes at the issue of like yes healthcare workers first responders but then who uh and it's it's like we have this surplus of of stock that we need to just you know use and and just being able to give people that access uh over sort of that equity piece of of prioritizing people first and i think this pretty this creates a pretty compelling argument um for some improvements on logistics but again like this this one article is not going to solve everything yeah i think you know, these the one of the benefits of these kind of articles is to help frame the problem and i think that's where solutions can begin of kind of understanding having a fundamental understanding uh, of the problems um, and the constraints uh, is where then other folks can respond and say, okay, here's some ways to do it. And here's, you know, uh, some experiences that you can see. It's almost, it's almost a user needs analysis that we start to see here for, for this kind of logistics problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm all tapped out on this, Frank. You got any other last tidbits before we move on? 
Uh, let's see. You know, I think there's an interesting one about, um, you know, the, the false alarm rate um, and that kind of related to the testing. Um, it's really interesting about uh, a cultural aspect of the healthcare of, like you said, about the omnipotence um, to, to make sure that that information is 100% correct. Um, but to be more truthful, like I said, about the messaging and say, okay, here's a range of when things are available. Uh, that way there's no uh, uh, over-promising of, of, of something and then a loss of trust uh, when that deadline or uh, milestone is not met. Right. I mean, you just even brought up another point. There's the difference between testing and vaccination and the the logistics for both of those are very different. And, um, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, just the, the whole communication piece just needs to be the messaging, you know, of everything. How how can we improve that? And I think that's a that's a fundamentally human factors problem that touches uh, a lot of different um a lot of different fields and and can really we can really as human factors practitioners really kind of dive into that and make a difference all right well thank you to our patrons this week for selecting our topic uh, and thank you to our friends over at wired for our news story this week if you want to follow along we do post the links to our articles in our slack as we find them so go join us over there for more discussion we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to see what's going on in the human factors community Human Factors Cast strives to bring you the best in human factors chatter every week. We pack news, interviews, reviews, and overall fun conversations into each and every product that we put our seal of approval on. But we can't do it without you. You see, the Human Factors Cast network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running this show come from the listeners. That's why we're giving back to our supporters on Patreon, now more than ever. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like 24-7 access to our exclusive Human Factors Cast Slack channel, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Cast Infinite, a Patreon-only podcast where the topic is human factors, etc. We're always updating our rewards, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you all, and remember, it depends. All right, and we're back. Uh, so yes, Patreon. That's a thing that we do. We do patrons. Uh, and you may have noticed, me mentioned earlier, patrons choose the news. Yes, that's a new thing we're trying out over on our Patreon website. No matter what tier you are, you can actually help us uh, shape what we talk about here on Human Factors Cast. We want to give a little bit more agency back to the people that support the show so much. Uh, so we're providing polls every week where you can actually, uh, you know, put your give your input as to what we talk about on the show. Um, so like this week, the choices were between, you know, vaccine distribution, CES, uh, and even some of the, the stuff going on at Tesla and Waymo, um, you know, the NHTSA uh being driver error for Tesla. Anyway, it's all over there on our Patreon site. And, uh, you know, we are always kind of looking to spruce that up. So if you're if you're wanting to support the show, you can do it that way. We're really proud of the stuff that we're putting up there. Um, and again, it's all back to the people who like to support the show financially, right? We want to make sure we're giving back to you. So go check that out. But now we're going to get into this next part of the show. It came from... It came from... It came from Reddit. Yes, this week, this is the part of the show where we search all over Reddit to bring you topics the community is talking about. Uh, we have uh, two this week. Um, and you know what? I, I, we're going to take a little bit of a deviation from the normal here. This is uh, this is 
This is from Synexi on the Human Factors subreddit. And they write, share your Human Factors success stories. They go on to write, we'd love to hear any projects or case studies you've worked on. I just applied to grad school for a related program and came across this sub. So, you know, I, I just thought this would be kind of a nice celebration of any sort of um, Human Factors success stories you may have had in your line of work. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read some of the comments on here because I thought these were great. Someone says, working in the healthcare industry. Can't say much, but I can say it's at a systems level, and it seems like it's very rewarding for them. We also have another one here by Hamburger Mon Monkey Pants, uh, longtime HFE slash UXer. Uh, it's a grueling and fulfilling career. Success is what you make of it. Most of your wins will come in the details. You're not exactly causing curing cancer, but your but small things you do will lead to big impacts. And they provide a whole list. But Frank, what are some human factors wins you have? Oh yeah, I think um, you know back before these times, uh, you know, we're working more with users, uh, being able to see. Uh, uh, the, uh, I guess the, the, the trust that happens when you start uh, putting good human factor solutions in. Uh, a lot of times, um, as you find in the human factors world, uh, we kind of carry the sins of the, the folks that work before us um, that might have done human factors, um, you know, by name only, I guess, if you will. Um, and so it, it's kind of led to different uh, experiences that various clients have had. So finally, saying client saying coming and saying, oh, uh, we thought human factors was this or that. Um, you know, I won't mention various negative things, um, but you can probably come think of some. Uh, but but oh, now, yeah. oh, like, whoa, wow, this is this is what this field is really about. Uh, it's those it's those times that that um, uh, start to see uh, because I think then you start to have champions in the field um, that kind of kind of bring you know bring back the good name of human factors um when you're not around so i think that 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 parts uh had a success of that to, yeah before before covid time so i think it was a uh good good one to still remember yeah you know i think you you kind of hit the the one that i was going to talk about too is just kind of that understanding uh from from people not in the field when you can really kind of show your value and and show what human factors can do in in a way that, uh, like you you were kind of hinting at the trust, right? I think that's kind of one of the biggest wins is when you can get somebody else on your side, um, and you know you can go rah rah human factors, and they believe in you. Uh, I think that's kind of the biggest win from a like high level perspective. But you know even just small things. The, like one of the, the best moments of my professional career is always, you know, visiting a user after some design implementation has been uh, executed in a prototype or something in that manner. And, and you hear them go, oh, this is great. This is going to save me so much time. Uh, and when they give you specific numbers like this is going to save me hours, uh, then it's really rewarding to see the work that you've done. Um in you know come full circle and 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 really provide benefit to the end user especially especially in cases where it really matters right my example it really mattered but i can imagine other other um, fields like healthcare saving hours could really matter um even if it's a convenience thing right that's that's another big uh, win, even if it's just a minor inconvenience that just happens all the time and, and you've managed to fix it. I, I think that's another kind of uh, 
uh, exciting human factors win is when you can see your work uh, sort of manifest and, and users comment on it. Yeah, this is a good, good point about some of the small wins, and, and it's not to discount them. Um, you know, if you think of the, uh, was it uh, Reasons, the, uh, uh, the error to the Swiss cheese model uh, of different factors leading up to, say, an incident or an accident. Uh, so to be able to fix something small that may lead to something bigger down the road is, is always pre- is pretty good. Every, every little bit helps. Uh, so sometimes uh, fixing a minor inconvenience reduces workload or kind of allows more thinking and positive kinds of uh, productivity uh, uh, for the rest of the user's tasks. Yeah, I do just want to read off some of these just uh, just as a kind of appreciation lap here. Um, so some of the big impacts that Hamburger Monkey Pants mentioned are stop an enterprise app from using warning colors incorrectly. Uh, make sure safety labels are placed where people can see them. Usability issues being tracked along with hardware or software issues so they have equal visibility. That's a big one, too, that I didn't even think about. Um they, they, they go on to write, they, they may not be addressed, but half the battle is getting recognized. Uh, helping small business collect data that will assist them years later in getting approvals to go to market. Ergonomic analysis to point out seating and line of sight issues for on a console. Uh, years or methodology years later a methodology could be used to assess other chairs and consoles and then best of all spreading the gospel or kool-aid of human centric design so i think that's a nice list um and uh, a, a good topic to kind of remind ourselves we can win we can win and what we do is important and i think it's it's good to revisit that every now and then um all right any other closing thoughts on human factors successes Oh, no, I think that's a that's funny. Thank you. All right. So we got one more here. This one is posted uh, in the UX subreddit from NeoGirl22. This was tell me if you think this design and product manager, project manager expectation is ridiculous. Uh, So I started at a new company as a UI UX designer, and the expectation for myself and the other designers is to provide at least three different mock-ups featuring different design solutions to the PMs, and they just pick which one they like best. I want to make an argument to my company that this is a bad strategy overall. For example, if I present a design solution that is backed in research and testing, why should I have to scrape up two extra designs just to appease product and let them pick? If I have one great research-backed solution, shouldn't that be enough? Not to say presenting multiple possible design options should never happen. I just think it depends on the situation and shouldn't be the status quo. Thoughts? Love to hear your suggestions on how to handle the issue. Frank, have you ever encountered something like this where somebody wants multiple designs and, um, you know, picks one? Have you ever – is this is that a normal expectation yeah, that's happened uh, once or twice uh, in my career. <laughs> uh, and a lot of times it, it stems from uh, unclear expectations. And sometimes where the person asking for something doesn't know what they want. Um, and when, when one doesn't know what they want or hasn't thought through what they want, uh, you tend to get what's called this uh, bring me a rock syndrome or uh, I'll know it when I see it. Um, and that could probably lead to why this this call for three different uh, mockups uh, of saying, okay, well, I, I kind of know what I want, but I'm not sure, so let me just use these three as a comparison to help narrow down uh, the uh, the solution. 
Um, and maybe one one suggestion to go to to help with that is to kind of ask questions and saying, okay, what what is the uh, the the PM's expectation. What are some of their uh, say user needs? That way, you can say, "Hey, based off of what you said and what you need, here are here are the designs." At least that can kind of constrain the main design space. And you may still have to do some two or three um, different mockups, but it'll be on a very small piece of the design versus kind of thinking, "Well, I got to create three different things and um, you know get 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 in your own head of determining what what that is." Let let the, let the client or the person that is requesting the thing help define that for you. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Nick? Yeah, I think that's a great uh, idea is to ask for clarification on the scope um, because you're right. Uh, the difference between three mock-ups with, um, you know, uh, let's say an interactive element that could be changed, right? It's either a collapsible menu or, you know, just options out there on the table, right? Something small like that, you can have several options, doesn't really make a big difference in the grand scheme of things. But if we're talking about things like information architecture, if we're talking about basic workflow, uh, or, or if we're talking about changes that could that could um, impact the user workflow in, in a, a big uh, change sense, right? Then maybe then th th there's a bigger problem there. And um, just to kind of talk about whether or not this design or this project manager expectation is ridiculous, yes, but it happens. And um, again, Frank, like I think you made a great point there with uh, it's about the expectation and uh, whether or not they understand that what your role is, there's that whole expectation too. And maybe if, if they are, continuing to ask for something that you know you're you're doing all this research on a design and coming forward and it's it's backed by research it's backed by all that and and they still want to pick between a couple different examples then maybe explain to them say hey look i i you know this is based on research this is the best way forward and if they still do want those multiple examples then maybe just um alter things that are quote unquote less important uh, like I said, those interactive elements, but maybe still have the base design there. And if they come back and say, yeah, no, this is not going to work, then ask questions. Why? Why is this not going to work? What what would make it work in this, you know, um, in, in this circumstance? But I think the more important thing is to come to them with user um, with user feedback or user data and say, look, based on what we have on our users, they would want this thing. And I think, you know, advocate for it, argue for it. That's your job. Um, and that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think it's a tricky situation because you feel like you maybe can't argue with somebody who's in a position that's higher, uh, that you know, of authority over you. But I think they hired you for a reason. And, and you know, part of your job is to kind of push back and say, no, look, you're, this is my expertise and this is why I made it this way. Um, and so that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, Frank, any other thoughts on this one here? Uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting thought about the uh, you know the, uh, the the power dynamics, especially if there's a you know a, a program product manager that that is asking for that, um, especially also someone that's new too. Um, so it's one of those things you want to set a good uh, good a uh, good habit in terms of interacting um, with, with with this person um, to make sure that uh, continuing the uh, productive. Uh, relationship and asking questions and getting to what they need uh, can can help a long way with that 
Yeah, all right. Well, that's going to be it for today, everyone. Let us know what you guys think of the stories this week. You can join the discussion on our Slack or follow us on any of our social channels at HFactors Podcast. If you want to get to us directly, you can do that. Show at humanfactorscast.com. If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can, one, leave us a review on your podcast medium of choice. Uh, or two, let a colleague know about us. That really helps uh, sort of you know, spread the word about the show. Or, you know, if you if you have the money and are financially able, you can consider supporting us on Patreon. Help shape what the show wants to be uh, by picking, you know, uh, patrons choose the news. Uh, or, or we have Human Factors Minute up there, too. We got some good rewards for there. And, of course, you can always reach us at our home on the web humanfactorscast.com i want to thank mr frank laxon for being on the show today i'm so glad you could join us i've actually been wanting to have you on the show for a while where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about vaccine distribution oh i'm available on the uh the, the human factors at slack um, uh, as well as linkedin and i believe nick will have that that information uh there so happy to yeah. continue the discussion and uh looking forward to uh being on the show again so thank you for having me on appreciate it Thanks, Frank. Yeah, I'll put your LinkedIn in the description below. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning in to Human Factors Cast. And Frank, at the very end of these episodes, we like to say it depends because, you know, in Human Factors, it depends. Spacecraft, railway locomotives, nuclear submarines, healthcare, jet aircraft. These are all examples of highly technical systems and organizations and all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. They have amazing people ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience. These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202 The Human Factors Podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory, because it's more than just common sense.